Bald Men on Campus with Jay Billis, Lafonso Ellis, and Seth Greenberg. Welcome to Bald Men on Campus. I'm Seth Greenberg along with Jay Billis and Lafonso Ellis. And uh, you know, before we get into Feast Week, who doesn't love Feast Week? You know me, anything for a good meal. Uh, we've got to talk a little bit about what happened this past week. And I guess the first thing before we get into the games, uh, and Jay, I asked you this on the air yesterday, and you know, all of a sudden the Paulo Bancaro situation arose, and uh, he, you know, Coach Coach K decided to allow him to play last night. Just uh, real quickly, do you guys have any takes on that whatsoever? It is even worthwhile for us to to discuss, or uh, were you surprised that he uh, ended up uh, playing in the the one the first game following uh, that altercation? Well, I, I think I think it's it's important to discuss, not just because it's it's Duke and and all that in college basketball, but because it's an important issue. And it's the it, as far as I know, it's the third event that we've had this year in college basketball of that that ilk. And one was Mark Few at Gonzaga, then Jalen Wilson at Kansas, both of whom uh, served suspensions and, and dealt with their cases through the legal system or are dealing, dealing with their cases through the legal system. Uh, the, the, the case at Duke is, is really interesting, I think. And you know, I've learned a lot about it. And, and this is for background purposes, not for excuse making or rationalizing or anything like that. But for, for college students, there are at times, because you cannot drink on campus on certain campuses, and there have been crackdowns because of, of uh, you know, underage drinking and then also because of COVID. Uh, what I understand has been happening now is students are renting homes for a night or multiple nights and having parties off campus. And I'm told that's what happened. Now, who knows? But, but uh, police... Uh, understood that was going on just as, as they would sit outside a bar or a restaurant or something on a Saturday night, uh, stake the place out. Um, the, the interesting thing that for me as a lawyer, I was not aware of the aiding and abetting statute in the state of North Carolina. So I learned something. I went and read the statute. I went and, uh, and studied up on it. So uh, Michael Savarino, uh, a walk-on at Duke, uh, was driving Paolo Banchero's car. Right. And so Savarino's underage at age 20 uh, was cited for driving under the influence and was taken into custody. Banchero was cited at the scene for something called aiding and abetting DUI. And, and I, after having looked into it, because it was his car and he was in the car, um, he, he is considered to have aided and abetted by giving his keys to somebody that, that was, was impaired or could have been impaired. Um, what I find interesting is, is if it weren't for such a high profile defendant in Bancaro, a lot of these cases wind up getting dropped, the aiding and abetting getting dropped. So Coach K after the game said two very different situations, an underage drinking uh, driver was was taken into custody and arrested for DUI. That's obviously a very serious matter, and we don't want to uh, uh, diminish that in any way. And then a passenger in the back seat was cited for this aiding and abetting. He characterized that as two very different things, um, and, and two very different situations at his post game press conference. 
from my seat, I was surprised that 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 the university and and my understanding is it wasn't Coach K's decision; it was the university's. But mm-hmm. you know, people can take that as they will. Um, I thought I was surprised initially that both players weren't suspended for the Gardner Webb game because it seemed to be the most prudent thing to do. And it actually, in my view, protects the player that way. It, it doesn't keep it, the discussion alive for as long. And now the discussion is walk on gets suspended. Best player plays, you know, all these different dynamics come in that, you know, I don't believe are true, but may or may not be true according to your perspective. So there, there are a lot of things going on with this, most of it um, being discussed out in, in the social media world. But it, it, it showed, like, in my view, these decisions are up to the university, and, but we all get to have our opinions of it. And, and that's all fair game. Fox, what's your take? And then I'll, we'll wrap it up. No, I, I, I agree with Jay. Is I thought there should have been a suspension. And Seth, we said it last night on the air, just from a player standpoint, there is kind of not not with all, but with some. There's this air of being a bit above the law and a bit be beyond the rules. And I felt it was a great opportunity, especially in light of you know driving impaired. The the what could have come of that could have been. I mean, just, just I can't even create. I can't even come up with the right. I mean, someone could have literally been. So not only. That they put themselves in harm way, harm's way. They could have put a lot of other people in harm's way, and then the emotional fallout from that whole deal. And not to mention the fact that, uh, again, given that air of being kind of aloof and and beyond, I, I felt that that was a great opportunity to sit them for one game because now all of a sudden you get a chance to think about the implications of what just took place. And I would hate to see this happen somewhere down the road uh, to either of the kids, if they weren't suspended. And, and I felt they missed an opportunity to let the standard be the standard and, and, and to essentially teach a lesson for, for something that I think was a big deal and could have caused a lot of harm. We're very lucky. Yeah, I mean, if Paolo uh, wasn't intoxicated and they're both underage drinking, I'm not saying that you know that doesn't happen, but it happened and they're two high profile young people on that campus. It's underage drinking. Uh, if Paula was able to drive, I'm sure he would have just driven. But obviously, mm-hmm. Marcus Severino decided that it was better for him to drive. Now, again, I don't want to get into how sure. someone was because I have no idea. I just know that DUI is a serious offense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that if Paula could have driven uh, because he was sober, he should have driven. So obviously he was not sober. So, you know, by handing his keys to someone, you know, that's the law. That's the law. It was to me, it was an easy decision by the university. It was an easy decision mm-hmm. by uh, Coach K, and, and that was you suspend him for one game or two games or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, to me, when you ignore something like that, you're also condoning it. And I know they're not condoning it. It's just that that's the perception. Perception mm-hmm. is reality. And you know, to me, you've got to send a clear message to your team. You got to send a clear message to your community. Uh, there's a you know right from wrong good decision and a bad decision. And I'm not saying either one of those kids is a bad kid. They're both, I'm sure, sure not. great sure. young people. I'm not making a judgment on who they yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. They, they're good, really, really good kids that made a very bad decision. Mm-hmm. And bad decisions most times have consequences. And I think sitting out one game, to me, wouldn't have been a tremendous consequence for that type of action. 
mm-hmm. whether it was aiding and abetting or driving under the influence. So, uh, look. Well, one thing, one thing before we move on it, that 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 I feel is important, and it's something I've wrestled with over some of these different different deals. One, Coach K had said after the game that they were two very different situations. And while the culpability of each player, Savarino and Bancaro, may be different, it all stemmed from the same incident. Mm-hmm. So I, I may differ a little bit there, but I do wrestle with the idea that sort of what is best for the player, the individual player, and then mm-hmm. what is best for the school. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a missed opportunity there on yes. the part of the university to, to, you know, when the initial statement was put out by the, by, I think it was coach K that said, the decision is going to be made by the university. That's a mm-hmm. university matter essentially. And it's going to be made by the, you know, all these athletic directors have fancy names. Superiors, he said. Athletic director. Yeah, superior. <laughs> well, he said superiors after, but in the written statement, it said something about the vice president of, you know, meaning the athletic director. So if the athletic director is going to decide, the statement should have been put out before the game. You know, you, you shouldn't have, in my view, you shouldn't have had the player, you know, Bancaro starting in the game without a statement from the university as to what was going on. I thought that was the missed opportunity to let everybody know what was happening. Um, but look, you know, look, we, we've dealt with this with, with again, with Mark Fuke Gonzaga, with Jalen Wilson at Kansas. Yes. This is not an issue of first impression. Uh, but and I realize the temperature is higher with Duke. I don't think that's that's untrue at all. It is higher with Duke. But but it, because it's higher, it requires a little more disclosure as to the decision. And, uh, and I think that would have been helpful so that, that the player could, the players could move on. That's part of this. And we talked about this with the Grayson Allen thing so that the players could move on, not just that the media and everybody else, uh, you know, it it allows the players to move on. They don't have to keep answering these questions. They can just, uh, uh, you know, take their, you know, take their uh, sort of sanction and, and, and move forward. Yeah, yeah, look, it's a teachable moment, uh, hopefully, that, you know, both players and, and you know, players just around the country, they've got to understand that you your decisions and the choices that you make can put yourself at risk, others at risk, and you've got to think. And, you know, yeah, and it's not just players. I'm, yeah, I know, I know you know this, right but, but yeah. yeah, exactly. We're talking yeah. about a multi-million dollar a year earning mm-hmm. coach that did this. Yeah. So yeah. it's a it's a societal issue. And and as we we all of us have pointed out, it it's a serious matter. Mm-hmm. But but after you get past all of that, um, Fonz, your point is exactly right that mm-hmm. it could have been a lot worse. Real yeah. bad, Jay. Really bad. But it wasn't. So if it yes. was worse, we would have treated it differently but thankfully it wasn't and and it's a in north carolina it's called a level five violation it's a misdemeanor that's Mm -hmm. not to diminish anything that's the law um but but um you know we also want to be respectful of dealing with it and then moving forward not moving on nobody's asking we move on from this we're asking as we move forward and that that includes includes the media i would i would Mm -hmm. guess but but duke has to help like duke or anybody else in that position kansas gonzaga has to help the media move on by being as transparent as possible the one thing i used to do every year every single year we used to have mothers from drunk drive to come and speak to our team wow i can tell you every single year i i'd break down listening to the stories of of those who lost loved ones Mm -hmm. and I, i i actually would recommend every coach in america 
to bring uh, someone from that organization because their presentations last you all with you a long time. I mean, it's just, it, it hits you right in the face because you're seeing the pain of someone yeah. who lost someone to drunk driving. And, uh, you know, just, again, well, I hope yeah. you learn from this. And thank goodness, like you yeah. said, thank goodness yeah. no one's life, you know, was impacted except for the two people who just made a bad decision. And they're, like I said, they're yeah. doesn't yeah. define as bad people. There's no, 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 not at all. People not at all. Made yeah. yeah, but it's, but it was a point, it was a period in time to have, two young people think outside of themselves for, 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 for a moment that could impact their lives down the road. It's almost like we all know that we shouldn't be texting and driving, right? And we read all the statistics out there about texting and driving. Yet in that moment, there, there's something that kind of gets us to do it anyway, right? And, and, and I thought this was a great opportunity to teach two young people a lesson that would have lifelong implications to be mindful that the choices and the decisions that we make don't necessarily just impact us, but they can have a huge negative impact on those around us and those outside of us. So Jay, Jay said it earlier also, that having done that, they would have protected the athletes going forward because most Mature people look and say, okay, it was a really bad decision that was made. They paid their penance. Now we can move forward, not on, but move forward. I thought it was a missed opportunity. Yeah, and Fonz, your point is a really good one. I think the response, if if I, I understand what Duke is saying here, the response would be, you know, that Duke is handling this to teach these lessons and show the severity of it, but they didn't feel that that a suspension for Bancaro advanced the ball in that regard. Sure. Now people can, can agree or disagree with that. Um, I, I may have handled, I think I would have handled it differently, you know, sure. I, and you guys will recall that when the whole Grayson Allen thing was going on after the second incident against Florida state, you know, I, I felt that that Duke was being reasonable and not suspending Allen. And I think Seth, you and, and Jay Williams differed with me on that uh, vehemently and then after after the third one, I said, you know what, you guys were right. Like they would have been better to have done it earlier. And so, they, they, look, I don't know that there's a right answer here. That's why I'm respectful of, of yeah, sure. everyone's opinions on this. It, it, there, there's no roadmap here, but uh, but I think we're all in agreement that that if it were us, we we would have done it differently. Sure. All right, let's get. By the way, Fonz, we know you don't text anyway. You send these crazy voice messages. Fonz, like <laughs> like there's not you get you get. Hey, Otto, it's fine. It's a voice text. The man sends voice text messages. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I don't even know how to work that, but I know it, it works really well for you. So, I mean, I'm and he gives his full name. Driving. Like, you know, he'll say, Jay, this is LaFonso Ellis. Like, oh, geez. Like, I needed that. I know you run in a crowd with a lot of LaFonsos. I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, excuse me, Lafonso. Can I play through? <laughs> and when I'm on the golf course, you hear that a lot. <laughs> I play golf. I play golf with some Alfonsos. The start of the Gavit games, and we'll get into the feast week real quickly, and 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 the Virginia Houston game. But Illinois, mm -hmm. obviously, tough tough loss. They did not play well that's probably an understatement great win for marquette uh andres Cur curbello just seemed to me like out of sorts whether it's 
you know, you're losing your security blanket. I don't know if it was Kofi Coburn or Iodasumo, but it seemed like he was trying to do too much. Just quick question for you guys. Concerned about Illinois or, you know what, Marquette did what they had to do to win? Yeah, I, I, I'm concerned to the extent that uh, I, I think Andre Cabello is feeling a lot of pressure. I mean, Iodasumo not only was their best perimeter defender, but when it was time for them to get a bucket or to make a play, he had the basketball in his hands. And Seth, when you're the secondary guy, you can kind of play kind of free and fast uh, because, you know, Batman in that case, Ayo DeSumo is there to kind of cover up your mistakes, if you will. But but now playing without Kofi Coburn, to your point, Seth, he's just trying to do just he's just playing too fast and, try, and trying to do way too much. And I think when Kofi Coburn gets back out there on the floor, I think that'll settle him down a little bit more because Kofi will be taking up a lot more room, obviously, in the painted area, and it'll allow him to play within himself. I, 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 I watched on, and Andre Cabello that was putting the weight of the world on his shoulders and trying to do everything, and he just doesn't play as efficiently that way. That game pissed me off. And <laughs> the reason... The reason it pissed me off was because of... of and you don't want to piss off Jay Billis. You do not. <laughs> you do not. But Kofi Coburn's absence was just wrong. And, and you know, right now the NCAA is going through a constitutional uh, rewrite and a constitutional offension, yes. so they don't unduly punish athletes anymore. Mm -hmm. And yet they continue to do it. They just did it with the UMass tennis program. So, um, they, they're doing it. With, they did it with Oklahoma State basketball, and they did it to Kofi Coburn. What did he do? He gave money to charity from some of his um, memorabilia. When yeah. he thought, and, and he thought he was going pro. And decided mm -hmm. to come back, which we should all celebrate and welcome that a young yes. man is coming, or a young person is coming back to further their education <laughs> and play in a multi-billion dollar business and make us a bunch of money. And what do they do? You know, they, they suspend him for multiple games, which mm -hmm. benefits no one. And look, we, we could draw some parallels and say, well, you know, but yet these serious things happen and there are no suspensions. But, um, but, but it, it, while the constitutional issue is going on, we're continuing to do this. And all I could think of is this is needless and wrong. And what mm -hmm. lesson is being learned? Like Kofi Coburn will never do, donate to charity again. <laughs> right. He'll never do that again. Uh, it, it just, it really pisses me off. Yeah. All right. We don't want to piss you off. So now I'm going to piss you off. <laughs> what was your take on Michigan? Obviously, uh, I thought that, first of all, I really like Seton Hall's team. I think they're older, start five seniors. They have a physicality about them, a sense of purpose. I thought they, I talked to Kevin Willard today a little bit. Uh, defensively, they're really good. I think they're going to catch up offensively. Michael Smith was a pretty good player and, you know, gave him a little bit more direction. Concerns about Michigan. Obviously, Hunter Dickinson, they, they had like 32, 38 points in the paint, but I didn't think the ball moved the way it had a year ago. Uh, they've got really good players. Uh, he's going to be a good player. Obviously, Caleb Houston uh, struggled shooting the ball yesterday. How good is Seton Hall? How good do you think Michigan is? And is this just a game? Two good teams played and someone's going to lose. I think Seton Hall is way better than they're getting credit mm -hmm. for. This, not that you're doing this, but this has become about Michigan more so. And I guess that happens when you're top five, top 10 team and lose. But that's the that's the value. We say we want these big time games to start the season, then a team loses, and 
and everybody snaps their cap over it. And again, not that we're doing that, but I think Michigan just shot it poorly. But, but, you know, at the same time, they had two free throws to tie the game and send it to overtime. So if you take it to, you know, essentially a week ago when UCLA and Villanova played that barn burner, if Justin Moore makes that shot over Jalen Clark at the end of the game, we're talking about how, how tough and great Villanova is. And maybe UCLA is not as good as we thought. Uh, when the truth is they're both kick-ass good and they're both, they're both final four contenders. Um, you know, so, it, you know, maybe if those two free throws go down, which is not a stretch, uh, Michigan wins that thing in overtime. And we're talking about how great they are. Um, you know, and look, the three of us know, and, and, and a lot of our listeners know that, um, you know, these games are important barometers for where you're going to be. They're not the be all and end all. And maybe we can see a ceiling uh, that some team has, or maybe a flaw or two that they can work on. But, um, you know, I can't remember the last time we got to the Elite Eight and said, hey, remember that game in November? That could be a problem. You know, it, it's, it's the, thankfully, this isn't football. I had a lot of games in November that became a problem for me in March. Seth, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so you know how much I love Jared Roden. Uh, He's good, boy. For, for Seton Hall. And, and we, we talked a lot about, uh, the three of us, about vet, veteran teams and veteran players. And, man, uh, Jared Roden, two years ago, he had gotten almost pushed to the end of the bench down there. They had a couple of injuries. Miles Powell goes down. They need him back in the lineup, and he produces. And now, all of a sudden, he's just he's just consistent across the board with his rebounding and his scoring. I thought the matchup between he and Caleb Houston was going to be the key matchup in that game. Because, remember, Michigan has had dynamic wings over the last two, three years who've been really good, whether it's Isaiah Livers. I know he plays kind of three or four spots. Franz Wagner just versatile threes. And so Caleb Houston's ability to be able to shoot it, he can drive it, but, but his steady production in my mind is going to determine uh, is Michigan going to be an elite 18, that caliber team. And of course he didn't shoot it. Well, he's one for nine from the, he's one for nine from the field and to beat a better than people think Seton Hall team with a Jared Roden playing as consistently as he's playing, Caleb Houston needed to play well. He just didn't. And I thought that's why they lost. He had to be three for nine. If he were three for nine, they would have won. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and I'll tell you, uh, you're right about Jared Roden. He's an NBA player. Yeah. He is going to play in the NBA. Yeah. I, I thought it was huge for Seton Hall because Seton Hall had that opportunity against Michigan State a couple of years ago. Couldn't mm-hmm. get it. At a conference, big time win right there, mm-hmm. knocking at the door. And I think, you know, a little bit like Kevin was talking about today is, is you know what? They got to get better offensively. But that was kind of kind of a marquee win for them trying to get you know, continue to build on the momentum because he, I think he can really, really coach. I mean, he yes. can really, really coach and he's got Seton Hall, tough city type guys that got yeah. guys that PJ Carlissimo won with. And, and when Seton Hall's good, they look like this team in terms of their toughness built on the defense mm-hmm. and the physicality. I mean, I love their team. I mean, that's why I sent a message today. I said, man, I love your team. He calls me, goes back, goes, love my team. Hell, you know, we can't, you know, we can't, we scored 50 some points. I said, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you reminded me of some of my <laughs> offensive. <laughs> but uh, all right, La- last one before we go uh, into the tournaments, and we'll just pick a couple games from tournaments. Uh, Jay, you were there, Houston and uh, and Virginia. My two takeaways is Houston is really good, and Virginia is not a very good team right now. Yeah, Vir- Virginia is is searching a little bit, so they've got. 
they've got some good players, but they don't have sort of the athleticism or go-to players that they've had in past years. And, you know, you're not looking out at the floor going, that guy's a pro or that guy's a pro. They, they don't have that this year. Uh, Houston's legit. Uh, they, they can be an elite defensive team. They've got multiple guards that can stay in front of the ball and don't need help. They get steals. They are tough as nails. Their big guys are active and mobile and rebound their tails off. Uh, Marcus Sasser is a, a star caliber yeah. player. Mm-hmm. Um, I was blown away by uh, Tajay Moore, uh, the transfer from Cal State Baker- Bakersfield. Yeah. Um, he chased Armand Franklin around, uh, shut him off. Anybody who's guarding didn't touch the ball or score. I don't know what his overall numbers were, whether he made you know six points, five rebounds, three steals, and three assists or whatever. But I, I know you could tell from watching that he was the biggest impact in the game. And, uh, and his plus minus had to be off the charts because every time he's on the floor, uh, Houston went on a run. I, I, Houston, that, that's a fantastic program. I, I'm so impressed with yes. what Kelvin Sampson has done there. And then I'm really impressed with those players, man. Those, those guys are studs. More play for just, defensive coach Rod Barnes at Bakersfield, too. Yeah. Mm, mm. We, we, we talk about identity, right, and, and, and what you expect from certain teams year after year after year. You know that Kelvin Sampson's teams are going to be aggressive defensively, terrific offensive rebounding teams, and, and, and just get up in you to make you uncomfortable. And that's what I saw from Virginia. I thought this would be a transition year for, Gen- for Virginia, not because they don't have talent necessarily. Yeah, I just think it's hard to, to go from a team that was really predicated on three bigs, Murphy, Hauser, and Huff being able to knock down threes last year, which created space for driving lanes, et cetera. And they obviously, they don't have that three-point prowess anywhere really on the floor. And so as you saw them try to create plays with this key Clark off the dribble, they were just getting gobbled up off the dribble. And I think that's going to be problematic for them all season long. I got to tell you this one thing before we move on. So at practice on Monday uh, before the game, uh, Kellen Sampson, Kelvin Sampson's son, who's associate head coach at, at Houston, he played for his dad at Oklahoma is running the scouting of Virginia's offense, their blocker mover, so what, what Tony Bennett called sides. So they're, they're, you know, he's on actually on the scout team that's running the offense, Kellen Sampson, with a, a bunch of other guys, uh, not ver- none of them players. They're all either managers or assistants and all that. So they're running through stuff, and they're running through it hard, and, and they're expecting the, the players, the defense, to, to do everything right and – you know, here's where we're going to do this. Here's where we're going to double. Here's where we, we may have to switch and got to take away this. And so they, they were going through it hard. And Kellen took an elbow that put him on the deck wow. right around right around the elbow of the, of the free throw line. And he's down. And, and we're thinking, oh, geez, you know, he could have broken his, an orbital bone or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, so his dad is, uh, Kelvin is, uh, is kind of like, all right, let's go get up. And so he finally got up and then Hollis Price, who's a special assistant, he's not an assistant coach, but he's like a Dobo special assistant to Kelvin mm-hmm. Sampson, goes over to one of the one of the, the video coordinators to look at the film uh, of it. To, and then he comes out and gives the flop, the flop sign <laughs> saying you flopped. That was a flop. 
and uh, and Dan Shoma was like, "Man, this is a tough crowd." <laughs> I laughed my ass off. I thought it was one of the funniest things I'd ever That's seen. Awesome. Uh, hey, hey. And by the way, Hollis Price, he should have been in there because he was a really good player. Exactly. Why was he on the sideline? Why was he? In the, he he could come up those screens and made plays. <laughs> exactly. That's what that's what Kellen should have shot back with, but he was in the concussion protocol. <laughs> Don't try to sneak away from this one now. Now we all know that Karen was out of town and you were home by yourself. How did you eat this week? Oh, in the absence of your beautiful wife. I w- I was phenomenal this week. I mean, I, one day I had chicken cordon bleu. I had a little uh tomatoes and mozzarella and some fingerling potatoes. Very good. One day I had a, I made a little omelet. Wow. A little a little omelet. One day I just had a little macaroni salad, a little macaroni salad mm-hmm. and uh, a baked chicken. I bought, you know, like the baked chicken you get from the from the yeah. supermarket. Had a little spread, cut it in half, laid it out, a little macaroni salad. I mean, look at this body. I mean, look, this hasn't happened overnight now. I mean, this is this comes from hard work. I mean, Jake and I had multiple walks. I mean, I was I was like, you know. I mean, very impressive the fact that, you know, Karen, I picked her up at the airport. I said, you know what, honey, you're a little overrated. I, mean, I did a pretty good job. <laughs> hey, Jay, I didn't hear any cruciferous vegetables in there at all. Well, well, one thing, Fonz, I know there are a lot of high-profile trials going on right now, but if Seth were in the witness stand yeah. uh, under oath, I think the cross-examination would have said, uh, uh, we understand that you have detailed all of your healthy meals. What did you eat after that? And in between those meals. And I would not. I have my good and plenty right here. I'll tell you this. When I was in L.A. for Villanova, UCLA, uh, we we fortunately stayed within walking distance of Westwood and Poly Pavilion at the hotel on Wilshire Boulevard. So I walked to each workout, uh, whether it's Villanova's practice, UCLA's walk to get coffee. Uh, but I did it for a reason because on the way back was an in and out burger. And so I stopped, I stopped twice, got a double, double fries and a drink, uh, each time. And if it would have stayed open after the game, I would have been there after the game. He was really rocking <laughs> the killer bees, Bel Air, Beverly Hills and Brentwood. That's where Billis was hanging out last week. <laughs> it was, it was. Rough. And Helen goes, I go, how's LA? How's it? You see like this. It's the killer bees, Brentwood, Beverly Hills and Bel Air. It's the killer bees. <laughs> <Not bad. laughs> hey, the bad boys mower battle for Atlanta is just, Real quick, I, I think they're really intriguing matchups. I think the two matchups I'm kind of in the opening round, Auburn and Connecticut. The guy that actually hired Danny Hurley was associate AD at Auburn when Bruce Pearl got hired. Two really, really talented deep front courts. And then Tom, Tom Izzo playing against Drew Valentine, his former graduate assistant, who's a 30-year-old head coach. I mean, those to me are really intriguing opening rounds. I've been watching UConn because I actually, you know, we do our off-season notes and all of that. And I actually like to see teams with my own eyes. And so this is interesting, fellas, that I'm used to them having a dynamic playmaker out on the perimeter and playing through whoever that is. And they've completely switched it this year. They're playing through their posts with Sonogo on the interior and having everybody else fill around. Uh, RJ Cole is still able to knock down shots. Tyrese Martin is actually starting to shoot it with a lot more confidence on, on corner threes. A cook, a cook is coming off the bench. You talk about athleticism and depth and length on this UConn team. I don't know. 
I think UConn's got a great shot to win that bad boy. Well, that's how that's how Calhoun built those UConn teams is with size across the front line, shot blocking, and Sonogo is really really good. Uh, you know, he's averaging about twenty a game, and he and, mm-hmm. uh, and Michigan State looks uh, after you know the opening game against against Kansas, where uh, you know Wheeler didn't play all that well, uh, or Walker, excuse me, Walker. Tyson Walker. Um, he didn't play all that well. I always say, I always think Tyson Wheeler, the, the great player from Rhode Island back in the late nineties, right, when I think Tyson and guards, but, uh, Tyson Walker is playing much better than he did in that game. I think he's kind of eased, uh, eased into things. Uh, and, and I thought, I thought, you know, at least in the first half of the Butler game, they, they looked really good. Um, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens in that thing. I, I, I still think Michigan State's going to be top 15, top 10 uh, throughout the course of the year. I like them a lot. Yeah, I think that tournament is going to be, I think it's going to be really interesting. Now, while, all the, while that's going on and Atlantis is going on, Jay, if I'm mistaken, you have two pretty big games, pretty high-profile high games, UCLA-Gonzaga Yep. and Duke-Gonzaga. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully Dick Vitale have UCLA Gonzaga. I'm just backing mm-hmm. him up on that one, but I'll have Duke Gonzaga on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, and then uh, and then I'm out doing the Maui, uh, the Maui Jim Maui Invitational in Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay. It's going to be nice. like a that that Mandalay Bay is where they have like prize fights and stuff, right? Yes. Um, so I'm kind of geeked up about about that. I, I just the only the only issue I have, obviously, we'd all rather be in in Maui for the tournament. Uh, I'm usually a three days at a time Vegas guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to do 10 days in Vegas, especially over Thanksgiving. Uh, that, that, that's going to be a little more difficult than uh, mm-hmm. than I thought. And so I, I'm I'm actually going to the ATM in the morning before I go to the airport. <laughs> To determine, you know, what is my gambling money? Uh, what is my just normal spending money on, on you know, food I shouldn't eat? And then what is my uh, libation uh, budget? Be? <laughs> I, so I, I know you're drinking the good wine right there. So, I mean, right? I'm not drinking, you're not drinking the stuff that screws off the top. No, no, I don't. Yeah. What's you drinking? Uh, I don't know the name of it. It's Lafitte something. Um, Anything with a love before it sounds good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't drink. I'm too old to drink the cheap stuff, Fonz. I'm not as young as you are. <laughs> the, the, speaking of Mandalay Bay, though, I mean, as you guys know, these celebrity boxing matches are becoming a big thing. You know, you and Walton, Walt, you and Bill Walton had your little thing going on in my way. I'm like, so you guys do a little celebrity prize fight, maybe two rounds. What do you think, Mandalay Bay? I would kick Walton's ass. Uh, <laughs> that would be totally unfair. I, I do find that like, like I, I don't even play pickleball anymore because I'm afraid to get any uh, injured. Like I'm afraid to snap an Achilles or hurt my knee or somewhere. I can't play golf. I can't imagine like these guys who are going, these celebrity celebrities who are going into the ring to fight now as older men uh, or, or women, I, maybe the women, right. are doing it too. but I just can't, I can't imagine wanting to do that. I mean, I don't even want to argue, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, argue over a seat assignment at the airport. I'm, I'm just not doing that stuff anymore. <laughs> the Maui, Jim Maui Invitational kind of, you know, what's your gut on that? I mean, you've got, you know, Butler who's playing right now. You're watching. I mean, Houston looks to me like the class of that tournament. But I'll tell you one thing, Fonz, I'm, I'm circle of honor, but I'm, I'm in on Notre Dame. I, I, <laughs> what do you I, like about us? 
I, I think they're veteran. I think Paul Atkinson gives them an inside score that people have to scrape down on. I think that Lashevsky's going to make shots. I think Goodwin's going to make shots. I think Hub has obviously got a ton of, ton of experience. Uh, I think that Anthony Solomon, not that one guy fixes yeah. anything, but I, Anthony he Solomon does. has great trust. And Mike has great trust in him and is going to yes. give, give him a lot of freedom. Uh, I, I just, I just think that they have a chance with an experienced shot making team. Yes. Uh, you know, I, I actually think it, it sounds silly in a lot of ways. They look, they're going to look a lot like Syracuse this year in terms of shot making. But I think Paul mm-hmm. Atkinson, the more film I watch on him, yeah. his footwork is so good and he's good. so patient mm-hmm. and he can play out of a double team. And if you scrape down on them and they, they've got guys everywhere that can make shots. I, yes. I just think that I, I, this team looks like a team that Mike, that Mike wins a lot of games with. That's, I mean, to me, and I, I have like all these people that Mike, Mike Brady didn't forget how to coach. I mean, you, you, you miss a little bit, you lose it, you know, like Fonzie goes out and he gets hurt. So you lose him mm-hmm. in an NCAA tournament year. I mean, things happen. Uh, it's hard to be that consistent, that long. Everyone has one of those years. Uh, I think, I think Notre Dame is going to be good. Yeah. Seth, remember his name. He's the X Factor, Blake right. Wesley. You love him. Six four, long arms, loves to defend, playmaker, starting to knock down a little bit more of a consistent three, but he is a downhill driver and a willing passer. So when he gets in the lane, he's looking to finish. He draws a second guy. He's looking to kick. He, he's the X factor for the Irish. And you may, you mentioned Anthony Solomon. Sometimes, Seth, one person does make a difference. Anthony Solomon and Mike Gray is all, have always had this uh, – good cop, bad cop kind of thing. You go to their practices, Solomon is jumping dudes for different things. And I think the defensive edge that's been missing left when Solomon actually went to Dayton. But now that he's back, I think you'll see a much more um, defensive-minded Notre Dame team who, you're, to your point, has the ability to make shots. I'll be like, I agree with you, Seth. I think that, that Houston looks like they're the best team in the tournament, but um, I, I can't imagine that Oregon is going to play as poorly as they did against BYU. And you give credit to BYU because they're yes. legitimately good. Right. But but they're not that much better than Oregon. Oregon was awful. Uh, so I can't imagine they're going to do that again. So I, I, I think, you know, I, I uh, Dan Schulman and I start off the bracket. We've got, uh, you know, sort of the Butler, um, Houston, Texas A&M, mm-hmm. Wisconsin side uh, the first day. Uh, so I'm, I'll be interested to see one, how good, uh, Wisconsin is, whether Butler, uh, is as good as I, as we think they're going to be and how they perform three days in a row, all those teams. But, um, I I think it's actually going to be a really fun tournament just because nobody's, you know, nobody's like head and shoulders better than everybody. It's not like they're, you know, Duke and Carolina are in this tournament mm-hmm. or something when they, when they had their championship contenders or something, they, they can blow people out. I, I think it'd be really fun to watch. And one tournament that starts this weekend and we'll finish on this is I, I think maybe the best 14 tournament that we have in the preseason is this weekend. You know, you're talking about Villanova, Tennessee, Tennessee is, is, is the real deal. I mean, Kenny Chandler's, unbelievable and he gets everyone involved and he makes shots and they've got their guard play is so deep and and skilled and you know that's tennessee villanova and then purdue north carolina now last night yesterday first half 11 turnovers uh really you know they kept on driving the ball into the gaps of charleston because they didn't have enough shot makers on the floor Kerwin walton comes in the game 
you got to honor him. And now you're getting in the paint. You're posting the ball. Yeah. Worrying about leaving Walton so you can play like two-man basketball. If you double him, he's going back out to him. If not, Baycott goes like 12 for like whatever. I think 12 for 14 in the game. I just think that tournament, you've got – think about that. And Purdue. Purdue, oh. who Trayvon Williams goes for like 20 and 12. And yeah. he gives this amazing – talk a uh, post-game interview last week where he says, whatever role coach wants me to play, I trust mm-hmm. coach, I'm buying in. Zach Eady plays like Nerf basketball. I mean, it's like, <laughs> he does stuff that I, you know, well, I had one of those little plastic things and I think I was, you know, probably a junior in high school and I dunk on it. I mean, like this yes. dude goes like, it's a joke. So one of those teams is going to leave 0-2. Those are four really good teams that are going to make deep runs in the NCAA tournament. How about this at uh, Purdue last night? Zach, Zach Eady, the, I mean, he and Travion Williams combined for 38 points and 25 rebounds. That's absolutely incredible. And I said coming into the season, we knew that those guys were going to give us consistent production down low. The thing that hurt them last year is they just could not knock down the three ball. They're the third worst three-point shooting team in the Big Ten this year. Now all of a sudden, guys are knocking down shots. They're shooting over 40% from the three-point line, made it 11 threes last night. This is a very, very, very dangerous Purdue team. Hey, Fonz, I think Travion Williams is a great kid. I do not doubt what he said after the game about, uh, you know, if you're worried about starting, you're worried about the wrong thing. He trusts his coach and all that stuff. But don't you don't you love it how the coaches salivate when a player says something like that? Like 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 Seth is can't contain himself. He's so happy about that. I was so and, well. Here's the thing. He, he no, that's, wait, that's a meeting. You can You are salivating over it. And and to me, like I would say, if if the coach says, "Hey, it doesn't matter who starts," I'd like, well, if it doesn't matter, then start me. <laughs> but you just said it didn't matter. If it doesn't matter, start me. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> <I agree. laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't I mean, matter to the coach. Hey, hey, hey. When it's like say, hey, hey, we don't even have to have the names on the back of the jersey. It's the name on the front that matters. And like, I, well, then put then put then put the school name on the back. <laughs> put, put my name on the front. Like, wait, what are you talking wait, about? Wait, of course, it matters. The name on the back matters. When Case said, "Spent a bunch of screens," what you say? You went to that press conference and said, "I'm going to be the best damn screener in America." <laughs> I never said that. You can never find me on record saying that. I would never have said that. <laughs> I had a little bit more contentious. I said, I, <laughs> I said the same thing Hubert Davis said. If you want to win, put me in. <laughs> I was more like you. <laughs> oh, no, that's too good. Well, hey, we're going to have an unbelievable week of basketball coming up. And then we follow that right up with the ACC Big Ten Challenge. I mean, if you think about the start of the season, mm-hmm. you know, there are great games everywhere. And, 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 you know, it's great to have the fans back. It's great to feel the energy, the passion. Uh, and every single night, college basketball is delivering. And, we can feel it again. I mean, it's, yes. you know, I was excited about Trevor. I mean, I thought it was really good. Now here's the thing as Jay, you know, it's not the meeting. It's the meeting after the meeting. Cause I know what happened after he did that press conference. He walked in the locker room and said, I knew that would work. <laughs> yeah. well, you know what, Seth, I, I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for one of the coaches, one of the head coaches to come in and say, you know what? I came in for the press conference. It really doesn't matter who's head coach here. all of our all our coaching staff is the same you know it really doesn't matter who's the head coach who who does this nobody ever says that well 
On top of that, I tell you what, Purdue is really good. And they, they are good. And Caleb First is a really interesting freshman. Yes, he, is. He, he can play off of both of those guys. So I, I just think that's going to be a great time. I'm going as a spectator on uh, on, on, on free uh, tickets. No, wait a second here. No, wait a second here. I bought these bad boys. Oh, geez. No. $700 worth of tickets taking Jackie G. Are you feeling okay? <laughs> I well, because I I got tickets for my for the V Foundation uh, for oh, my okay. breakfast, I and I, I felt bad going back for four more. <laughs> <laughs> got fifteen. I got we got fifteen hundred for the ones I got for the V Foundation. So I said I can't go back to those guys and be. Uh, you're a good man, you're a good man to do that. Yes, but uh, but yeah, Jackie G and her, and her her friend, uh, who's a Carolina guy, and if Carolina plays Villanova, I'll probably sit in between them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was fun. And uh, and you know the other great thing about this week is, Fonz? What's that? In between Bells' games, he could take us to a good dinner. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're all going to be there. <laughs> yes. yes. Bring the gold card, Bellis. All right. I here we go. One. I'll bring Wendy's.